everyone. This is Rafael Garcia here for episode 162 of the MMA Reigns podcast. I, I didn't realize I just did. I think it's 161. 161? Yeah, that's right. That's right. 161, man. We're all, I'm kind of all over the place this evening. But as you heard from that voice, um, Schwan Humes is MIA. He may have been kidnapped again by his children, but uh, we will hope that he joins in at some point in time. But instead, we have a strong number two coming in for today. Michael Ford, say hello. I'll tell everybody how you're doing today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, the podcast. Good stuff, man. We have some couple of things to talk about today. We're going to talk about three, you heard right, three new UFC events being announced. And all three are going to go down in one week. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about um, some fighter comments about fighting around this time and take a couple of questions that we got over the week. But before we do that, I want to take the time as always to thank everyone for taking the, um, the opportunity to listen to this show and support our content. As always, you can go over to MMARatings.net first and foremost, that's the flagship, to read all of our content there and rate the fights using our star system, letting everybody know either how uh, excited you are for upcoming fights or what you thought about fights as they occur. So let, let us all know how, how excited you are for um, MMA action specifically coming back up in the next few weeks. You can also find our podcast content over on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, uh, where we usually host all of our content from a week-to-week basis, including this show and our Let's Talk Wrestling podcast, which usually comes on Thursday or Friday, depending on when I have the time to do it. And, and our upcoming interview series, which uh, we've talked about. <laughs> that's correct. And we um, just launched the first one with uh, Fernanda Parches, which was, I think, two weeks ago, which is a, a great show. And I have another one lined up. We will probably be doing this Sunday. I haven't announced who, but it's someone I work closely with and I'm looking forward to talking. Um, yeah, that, that interview was really good. I recommend it to anyone who hasn't heard it yet. But yeah, seek it out. It's timeless material. It's not time sensitive, but it's fun. It's really, it was a yeah. good conversation. And we actually talked extensively about the movie Bloodsport, which is relevant because there is a action movie or a um, combat sports movie tournament that's going on. I think Bloody Elbow is doing it, I believe. And okay. right now, somehow Bloodsport lost. In no, to what? Um, Enter the Dragon. No, was Enter the Dra- it's either Enter the Dragon or Rocky Two. Uh, those are strong choices. I have to. So, I'm pretty pissed off about that, but you know, everyone everyone can't have great taste. Enter the Dragon is a classic. Enter the Dragon is a classic, and it has like the right because that's the one with um Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? No, no, no. That's still uh, uh Jim Kelly as the Jim Kelly. Uh, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Yes, correct. All right, so I mean, he was a legit martial artist back in the day, so it, right. is, it is a great movie. Yeah, and he had the iconic, you know, swag look that's of true. you know that's taking that's taking the women back before the fight. It's you know, like there's some classic stuff there. That fro was legendary. Yeah, no no doubt. So let's go ahead and um, jump right into the show, man. We got three. You heard that right. Three UFC events that were announced this past week. We have UFC Fight Night 171 which goes down on May 13th. Then we have UFC Fight Night 172 going down three days later on May 16th, followed up by UFC Fight Night 173, which will be on May 23rd. So that means we have fights on the 9th, 13th, 16th, 
23rd. What do you think about this, Michael? First thoughts on how the MMA world specifically is looking to run back up and do it at a fast pace. What are your thoughts about that? Well, the first thought I have is a question. I didn't know about the one on the 23rd. Um, I know that they were talking about it, but I didn't know it was official. Is that also at the Jacksonville location? Or? Uh, that one, that location has not been announced yet, nor are there any fights booked for that yet. They've just said that they're doing something on that day. Okay, got it. You know, because everyone, you know, that I've been talking about outside of the sort of MMA online space is intrigued by this whole fight island idea. And, you know, as, a, as someone who's casual adjacent, I, I always try to keep my ear to the street of what the casuals are really into. So I got to say immediately, the disappointing thing is that none of the Fight Island uh, events have been announced. You know, you can't just talk it up and then not deliver, Dana. You know, that's like number one rule of, of, of promoting. Um, also, you know, I, we've, we talked before about how the forum shopping, um, trying to find the places with the least regulation is, is a little bit fraught. Um, I'm concerned as, as I, you know, I was the last time we were, we were together about whether these events are going to go off without a hitch, whether there's going to be some, you know, spike in um, infections in the Florida area based on everything. So, you know, the fights themselves, they're, they're interesting. They were interesting when they were announced, but um, you know, I'm still a little bit skeptical about these events. Um, you know, as a, as from a health perspective. So my first question is in reference to Fight Island itself. Do you believe it's going to happen? I am still skeptical of it. Um, just see, it's, 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 he's just talking too much and it seems to, of an ego trip in my mm -hmm. opinion. Do you believe Fight Island is really going to happen and is it going to be what is being played up? Well, it's, so here's the thing, like, you guys, you know, we, 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 we went through years and years of the ultimate fighter. Right. And, you know, the thing with the ultimate fighter is it all took place in Vegas in a very sort of controlled environment and sequestered environment in Vegas. There, if there are enough fighters who are willing to, you know, go off contract and go off of what their normal training strategy would be, you could do a tough style a series on Fight Island. You know, you could find 12 fighters in various weight or maybe the same weight class probably for the best and sort of structure it that way where it's few events. I mean, I guess you'd have to do a little bit more if you're going to have more than one fight like the way that they did for the Ultimate Fighter. So you might have to, you know, sequester 30 fighters. But you, I mean, you guys have talked about it before and I tend to agree. These guys are thirsty for exposure and for money and this, you know, um, warrior mentality type deal. They might be able to find a place and set up all the facilities and convince these guys to basically bring back tough, or put it on an island. And, you know, the, depending on how, how everything else goes with, with the world at large and with the sporting world, there's, there might be an audience for it. It's just crazy enough to not work, but crazy enough to be a spectacle. Have you seen, uh, there's been a few, I guess, video clips of old like Bulldog events that have been um, going around. And there's one specifically of Eddie um, Alvarez that I've seen recently. 
about how they had the ring on the beach based outside. Is that appealing? Like, does that appeal to something from a fan base standpoint when it comes to combat sports? Is that something that, that, is that a different enough look to get people um, excited? Well, I mean, if they're not going to have live crowds, right, if it's just going to be the, the corners and the fighters and, and their camps, so to speak, um, for, you're going to have to create ambiance some kind of way. So, you know, the idea of a tropical locale at night with, uh, you know, with lights in the background, I mean, it, it'll, it'll, it would definitely be different from what we normally see at a, at a UFC fight night. So, like, like I said, the, I think the first event would probably get the highest uh, viewership. And then they might have to switch things up f from week to week in order to get people to keep coming back. But, you know, I, I, I can't lie. I'd tune in just to see, just to see the spectacle. And I imagine a lot of casual fans will feel the same way. So I want to ask you a random, um, here's a, here's a question. Mm -hmm. Who's the most fight islandy fighter on the UFC roster? What I mean is the person, man or woman, that if someone's going to be fighting on the beach, is this person and the UFC is going to do everything that they can to get him or her book? Oh, it's obviously Donald Cerrone. I mean, okay. like, <laughs> who's the number two pick after Donald Cerrone is the real question. So my vote was an easy one. Um, my vote was for Mackenzie Dern um, because she, she's the, the, how can I put it nicely, Instagram model-esque. Oh, um, I didn't even think about it from that perspective. Maybe her or Paige Van Zandt or someone along those lines, ones who don't mind showing themselves like in that light. The I only concern with Paige yeah. Van Zandt is my understanding is that she's in the last fight of her deal. So the amount of money they'd have to pay to get her to headline Fight Island, I would imagine they would prefer someone like, uh, um, oh man, I'm forgetting her name now. Um, the one who fought Paige Van Zandt and, um, you know, is also really attractive and has done some- uh, Felice Herrick. Felice Herrick, yes. Like she's more, like her career is more fraught and, you know, I could see them using and her using Fight Island as a promotional tool for more photo photo shoots. They could also go with um, Michelle Watterson, you know, the karate hottie that, pretty, that basically says an, yeah. the name. But she's got a family. I think, you know, I could see her, I could see her realizing that some things are more important than that kind of exposure. True, good thoughts there. Um, let's talk about some of these fights though. And, and I have a very interesting question I'm gonna save to the end mm -hmm. but for, UFC Fight Night 171, which is the one on May 13th, the main event scheduled, at least listed on the um, preliminary fight card right now, is Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Without breaking anything down or talking anything extra like that, does that fight stand out to you? Like, is that something that, uh, that is immediately interesting to you? Um, you know, from a pure, these guys are, are both kind of in the mix, TM. <laughs> um, you know, Smith is still, wants to still remain relevant. Texera wants to show that he still has a little bit left in the tank. I think coming off of all that we know about Smith and the whole thing with the home invasion and then, the you know, the back and forth that he's had with John Jones, I think that there's a little bit more smoke behind him right now. And he's in a position that if he were to win and win handily um, to get right back in the I want to fight John Jones uh, sweepstakes. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I want like I, I was very skeptical of Smith when he first entered the division, but he's done nothing but impress me. So I want to see if he still has it and he's still willing to kind of play in the elite tier of light heavyweight. Okay. Um, on paper, this doesn't truly interest me. I've always been a Glover Teixeira guy, um, and it's good to see him still sticking around, still getting wins at this point in time in his career. But we're going to talk about this more in depth in a second because I want to talk about UFC Fight Night 172, where the main event there is Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. Does this one do it for you, Mike, any more or less than that previous fight? Um, well, full disclosure, I'm an Overeem fan. And it's a tough, it's been a tough little bit, you know, the way he's gotten completely destroyed in some of his last fights. Um, I know that he's being offered out um, for the slaughter for Harris. Um, but putting, putting aside that, it's not as, a, it's not as easily appealing as a, of a sell. I don't happen to know if there's any kind of grudge match component to this fight. It just kind of strikes me as a, you know, let's let's try to get a a, a name heavyweight uh, win on Harris's resume and hope that he can, you know, use it to capitalize and get himself in that really thin thin tier of title contenders at heavyweight. You know, especially once Cormier retires. So I mean, I would say that. I, I would say my, you know, if, if we were doing the MMA rating style rate, your anticipation, you know, this would probably get a six or a seven in my eyes. See, I'm not, um, I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I'm an Overeem fan too. You know, I'm a fan since the Abolition Man um, days. I wish he would bring that, that nickname back. But yeah, you're right. He is definitely on more of a slide than not. Do you think this is a fight that sets up Walt Harris as a potential title contender? I think that's what the UFC would want. Um, obviously, as we know, when Overeem loses, he usually, you know, posterizes himself. Um, and I think the UFC is hoping that Harris can get that kind of highlight reel, to, you know, to, to run incessantly. And he's going to talk himself, you know, if he wins, he's going to call somebody out. And yeah, I think the UFC is hoping that Harris wins and that he wins in such exciting fashion that he can carry that into being a fresh contender for whoever wins. Um, you know, actually, obviously not whoever wins between um, Cormier and, and Stipe, but next man up, you know, after that. Okay, awesome there. And like I said, there's no fights yet scheduled for the event on the 23rd um how will fans respond do you think that this aggressive push to bring back mma will be received well by fans like as in they'll sit down to watch or do you think we've had so much time away from mma that we now have different things taking up space in our life on like during the weekend and the week hmm that's a it i mean i think a lot of that's going to depend on espn you know i think that espn has you know, themselves been kind of thirsty for new material. And I think that to the extent that there are MMA fans that are, that are regular ESPN watchers, um, you know, obviously the, the biggest event of the week 
of the of the week so far in these last couple of weeks has been the Michael Jordan documentary, um, and that's on ESPN. And I and I could definitely see um, UFC putting their ads in into those and getting the eyeballs that these fight cards are coming up. And, you know, I don't necessarily know whether the pay-per-view is going to do very well, but I think the free events stand to experience an uptick because people are going to be sitting in their homes and they're going to kind of want to dip their toe in and see what this, this new setup is like. And, you know, it's possible that if the first event is just boring, that they won't show up for the second and third event, especially just a couple of days later. But if it ends up being exciting, if they figure out a way, you know, with their, with their production to keep it moving and to keep it you know, feeling fresh, then yeah, I mean, people are home. People are still trying to get their sports fix. So, okay, let's, cause that you, <clears throat> excuse me, you brought up an interesting question because you're right, the last dance is probably the biggest thing going on in the, in the sports world right now, period. The first episode got 6.1, uh, okay, hold on, so the preview, let me see something. So the third and fourth episodes got about 5.9 million viewers. Um, the first two episodes got about 3.2, no, hold on, let me see something. Because the first, I think the first episodes one and two, which aired on the first, okay, so here we go. The first one averaged 6.3 million viewers in its debut and 5.8 for, so 6.3 million viewers for the first episode, 5.8 for the second. And then episodes three and four, which was this past weekend, got um, 6.1 million viewers for episode three. And then episode four got 5.7 million. So it would be a good idea for them to take um, these upcoming events and promote them during uh, that night. And you know what? I think I think they did drop a UFC 249 preview um, during the episode three. Am I? They may have. I feel like they may have. But I, I know I've seen one, but that would be a great place for them to drop that um, some promos for these upcoming events with all those millions of viewers watching. Yeah, I definitely think that ESPN, I mean, one of the things that actually worked exactly as planned with the UFC and, and their deal with ESPN is the way that ESPN has sort of seamlessly stepped into the role of partner, promotional partner with the UFC. I think, and, and I think that now with their dirt, with the dearth of major sports events, I think that partnership is even more solidified. And I think that anything they can do to leverage the viewership from one event to, you know, a live sporting event where, you know, all their bread is buttered. Th I think that this is definitely something we're going to see. And I don't remember, um, like, so, so it's a 10 part series, right? Uh, uh, last yes. So do we know when the finale would air? Based on that, um, I guess that's you know, we're 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 four episodes in. Uh, yes, we're four episodes in. I think. Right. So so the next three weeks. So it looks like that would coincide with that big UFC fight week, right? That looks. Uh, no, because UFC fight week is two Saturdays away. 
Oh, okay. oh no, excuse me. UFC 249 is two Saturdays away. And yes, that would, um, so yes, it would coincide with all those UFC e events because the 10th would be the last, would be the, the series finale. And then those fights are the 13th and 16th. Right. So, I mean, traditionally the finales, excuse me, traditionally the finale would get the highest rating. They'd have the most eyeballs and, and, you know, they would be in a position to have promo spots for both of those events, if not outright promo packages for those events. And, you know, they will have, once those viewers are, you know, sati satiated, well, not satiated actually, um, you know, once they're, they're, um, appetite has been sort of um, tempted and, and appetized, they may be looking for the next big thing. And the next big thing could be UFC events right a few days later. Good thoughts. Right? That's definitely some good thoughts there. And since we're talking about these upcoming fights, I want to talk about specifically the fighters who are um, competing in these fights. I'm not sure if you saw Michael uh, Chiesa's comments, but he basically drew, drew the line in the sand where he said he's not willing to fight during this time. And I want to read his quote exactly. Let me pull that back up. Um, it's kind of long, so bear, bear with me for a second. But um, his comment it was because it was pretty enlightening to me, and I want to talk about specifically why. But the question is, when you, when, and this is his quote, when are you going to fight again? That's a question many of us fighters are being asked regularly. On the heels of my biggest win to date, there is nothing I want more than to get back into the octagon and compete. Fighting in an empty arena feels almost advantageous to me after I spent time on tough. Competing in that type of environment is not what I'm worried about. It's the pre preparation that's holding me back. Gyms are closed, training partners are scarce, and coaches and teammates are doing what's best to protect the health of their family all of which are things I empathize with 110%. On top of that, there's other problems behind the scenes that are better left unsaid. I know many fighters are experiencing the same challenges and trying to put together a camp right now. There's some people that have enough resources to make it happen right now, but unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. Ultimately, I have two choices. One is to keep doing what I can to stay fit and wait for restrictions to lift. The other is to make some choices and moves to get me in a position where I can be confident I can prepare for a fight. My stance on who I fight next will remain the same. It has to be someone ranked ahead of me. Out of respect for that short list of guys and the wishes of my family, I'm not going to show up. I'm not showing up unless it's, I'm at my absolute best. All I can say is I hope to get back in there sooner than later, and I am proactively searching for solutions on my own. I hope everyone out there is staying safe, staying healthy. God bless. Now, that is a pretty important statement to me because I think it draws attention to the quality of fights we're going to be getting on these initial cards. One first, Michael, let's start about, let's start with Michael himself. Does it surprise you that he's decided to kind of stand aside and wait until the situation gets more improved to, to, to fight? It definitely surprises me that a fighter of his stature has taken such a, a bold stance. I mean, I respect it totally. You know, I would have imagined that you know, he's still trying to build up his name. And often it's those fighters that are just desperate to keep their name in the, you know, you see it in pro wrestling circles. You know, if you don't, if you're, if you're, if you're gone, there's, there's always someone to jump in and try to take your spot. Um, so I, I respect it a lot. Um, and it does surprise me that's, that he, that he's not an established name. He's not a former champion. He's never, well, has he headlined an event? I can't remember. Uh, his fight against Kevin Lee, I think, was a headliner. Okay, so he has headlined an event. So, I mean, but you know, hasn't he's not a 
a died in the wool constant headliner. Um, so I, I think every, I think that all of his points are valid. I think that this is the stance that most professionals, you know, should be taking. On the other hand, that kind of ties back into what I was saying before about Fight Island. If the concern is that is the prep, the training, the access to um, training partners. One of the things that we remembered about Tough is that having the fighters train amongst each other um, and having the and having them fly in uh, state of the art uh, training uh, staffs. The UFC's got the money to make it worthwhile for those guys. Those gyms are closed, like you said. Like he said, they're not doing anything. They they'd probably relish the opportunity to work in a closed environment if the money's right. And and who knows? Maybe they could sort of steal some fighters, <laughs> steal some high level fighters over to their camps by showing them things that they didn't have before. You know, I could yeah. see I could see Dana firing back, or maybe a more savvy version of Dana, sort of saying, well this is why we are creating this fight Island closed environment so that the fighters can, can um, be in a trusted universe where there are training partners and the safety protocols are being kept. Now, again, I'm skeptical about whether all those things are true, but in terms of whether they can sell it that way, I think that, that I think that that's an opportunity for them. So you said that it does surprise you and I'm going to talk about why it doesn't surprise me. If a fighter is ranked specifically, Chiesa sitting at number eight, I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice and say like five and above. They have nothing to gain by trying to fight in a situation like this. You saw um, Amanda Nunez look at her situation with with Felicia Spencer and say, you know what, I'm good. I'm not gonna fight right now. I think champions and top five ranked fighters will not be fighting during this time, and that's why these fights are not going to have the name value that is expect that people want to expect. So I think that that may hinder some of the rankings questions as well. I mean, at heavyweight, of course, let me see, let me pull it up real quick. At heavyweight, Alice Overeem is ranked number eight and Walt Harris is ranked number nine. So there isn't any, and you have Anthony Smith at light heavyweight who's ranked number three and Glover Teixeira is ranked number eight. I think Anthony Smith might be the highest ranked fighter we see competing until that UFC, outside of that UFC 249 event. I don't think we're going to see many champions and highly ranked fighters fighting until they can know that they can get a fully functional camp around them with their best interest in mind. So I have a counter to that. And it, 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 it's, it's, it, it ties into my conspiracy theory as the UFC rankings are concerned. We've known for a while that the rankings can be used as a promotional tool. And we know that Dana likes to play the, these guys don't want to fight card, particularly when fighters are holding out for contractual reasons. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if, if strategically fighters started moving up the rankings and moving down the rankings based on their willingness to fight during this time. You know, I would not be surprised if in the upcoming weeks, the, the, the fighters that are, that are named as headliners in these late May events just get, get, get more highly ranked. They get talked up, they get promoted more, and all of a sudden, you know, they're maybe, like, I think you're right. I think fighters above five, 
don't have the incentive, but I think that there's an incentive on the UFC side to have the fighters be as close to top 10 as possible, even if they can't get a fighter above five. So we'll see what happens, but I think that highly ranked fighters have no, have no incentive behind fighting right now. And I don't see, I don't expect to see a lot of them stepping up to um, hop into the cage uh, sooner rather than later. I mean, actually, and now that I think about it, I could see them rolling out a totally different set of rankings based on only the fighters that have decided that they're going to fight. Coming up with some kind of shenanigan where, you know, like maybe the number one contender will stay the number one contender, but everything above that is just, you know, wide open. I mean, would you put that past the UFC, honestly? I mean, you can't put anything past them, and I wouldn't be surprised if they would just do the um, uh, switcheroo like that. So let's – there's one other question I wanted to talk about when it comes to um, Kiesa as, as well is, is this the correct step for him after taking such a big win over Rafael Dos Anjos, a former champion, former welterweight title con- uh, challenger? Do you think that taking time away puts him at a disadvantage, or should and should he be looking to get back in there? Or is it the right move from him for him to look at his career right now and say, you know what, my best bet is being at 100% when I get back in? Yeah, I, I tend towards the latter. Um, I think that he's not the kind of fighter that um, the UFC generally pushes, um, both in terms of fighting style, personality, and just kind of the overall ambiance that he brings. He's sort of ground his way into contendership. And for that reason, I think he should be concerned that, you know, taking a bad loss or taking any kind of loss um, could keep him out of the contendership circle for this foreseeable future whenever the next big thing kind of comes comes into play he's at welterweight right now right so even though there are there are, i mean there are a fair number of welterweight fighters that are ahead of ahead of him in terms of who the promotion favors even you know if, even mcgregor if mcgregor were to somehow lose to uh or whoever he fights next you know i could see him fighting again at welterweight and and getting fast-tracked so you know if you're if you're in in a position of holding a win streak at at welterweight you don't want to have that be blown off of a fight with minimal prep and know that you don't have a quick way to reverse that narrative all right all right there so um I, i i'm interested in seeing what's next for him and how i want to see i hope someone tracks the fights that people who took time or said no fight. I want to see what fights they get next, and I hope someone pays a very close attention. Yeah, that, that, that seems like a good piece. Maybe someone will write that piece for MMA ratings. <laughs> um, so we got a couple of listener questions. You know, this is a little bit of a sh- shorter show because there's not as much news news going on. Right. We got some um, questions. So what happens if these UFC events, if the ratings are lower than expected. And I talk about that because you see what's going on with the WWE right now. Mm-hmm. They are probably one of the only live um, showcases that are still going on. They have, and they actually recently switched up their schedule, but their last three or four shows have been live and mm-hmm. they're really continuously dropping now. Part of that is because the content they've been putting forth for the last couple of years, it's not been great. And I think people are like really fed up at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But even still, 
to see their numbers dra drastically declining in a time when there's nothing else on has people kind of surprised. So what happens from the UFC standpoint is ratings for these three events and UFC 249 are lower than expected. Well, this is one I really do think that their partnership with ESPN can really uh, work out for them in a really beneficial way. Uh, I think that one of the things we've talked about for many years is that the UFC generally controls the production and how the broadcasts flow, and it's somewhat cookie cutter. I mean, they've made some tweaks here and there along the way, that, you know, such as getting rid of face the paint. Um, <laughs> but um, I could see the network knowing what what their exposure is with these events, taking a stronger hand and trying to figure out how to move the presentation forward and make the show more showy or make the, sh make the, um, make it feel like more of an event. So as to, I mean, there, I think they will continue to ramp up their promotion. And I think they will, you know, now that they have ESPN plus, there are a lot of ways that, ESPN can monetize these cards, but I think that there will be a, a, a conversation happening at the higher levels as to how to best promote uh, going forward, especially, in fact, even in the post-corona uh, world, uh, what it is that the fans are would be looking for and, you know, trying to, to, to get at what the the answer to you know unlock the puzzle of marketing fights to a sports you know gen a mainstream sports centric audience see i am i'm really interested in seeing what these numbers mean um long term because in when times like this are obstructed um or like when there's a, a obstruction the way we're kind of seeing right now we see that people go away and they don't come back but this is this is definitely a different time than anything we've ever experienced across history before. So there's still like some uncertainty on what's going to happen when things go back to normal. And I'm saying normal in air quotes because I don't think that anything's going to be normal after this. So I'm really interested in seeing what the ratings look like. And especially if this leads to a space where people are going back out again, like when economies do open up, People aren't going to be home on Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays anymore. But at the same time, I don't think people are going to be able to watch these events like in the big watch parties like they used to as well, too. So there's really a double-edged sword to what's really going to happen once these shows start rolling off of the um, off of the, the, the docket. So it is something to watch. I do think ratings are, are going to be lower. But one thing, you know, that that's that you made a really good point. And it's one thing that I've kind of been exploring on our end is you know the virtual watch party i'm really surprised that they haven't started to make steps um that on the ufc and espn side um you know towards getting something like a virtual watch party going where people are watching their fights with their um zoom cameras and they're broadcasting the fan reactions of different you know from different areas i think that could be a direction that that they move into in terms of converting what used to be a communal thing because people were gathered together to a sort of a virtual communal thing where people are watching it apart but together you know you were seeing it in other sports we we, we just saw the virtual uh, nfl draft and how they kind of you know played that i think that there are a lot of things that the that espn can take 
from how the draft went and incorporate that into their sports broadcast going forward. I mean, I had mentioned that before with, uh, with the other events, the other sports that are planning to come back with no, with no crowds. I did think that there was some, some benefit to having a, an interactive um, virtual component to the crowds and to fan feedback. I mean, if fans are, fans always want to be part of the show. And if you could create an opportunity for them to be part of the show through, through this virtual platform, then I think that's a new way to kind of build uh, excitement and anticipation for these events. So what's interesting is you brought up the draft and this is another uh, intriguing note here because the NFL draft this year, make sure I'm looking at the right thing, correct. Guess the number of viewers that the rating, the, the draft peaked at. Yeah. I mean, if I had to, I mean, uh, normally I don't pay attention to draft numbers. So I'd say something like 10 million. 19.6 Woo! is what it peaked at. And that's a 37% in, increase over last year's um, audience. So yeah, I guess if, if the excitement is there, there's a space for people who want to get to and want to sit at home and still watch some action. So maybe, maybe I'll be wrong and maybe these events will do massive numbers. I mean, it'll be something that nobody will, will see. And I guess the conversation changes from there from if not only if these events draw ratings, but if these fans stick around like that, that may be something big. And at the end of the day, we may be saying Dana White was right. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, one thing that we do have to take into account is that, we, you know, we, we have the test of the UFC Brasilia event and how the ambiance of a fight taking place in an empty arena um, profoundly affects um, what it's like to view a fight. It's, it's one thing to watch a mediocre fight when the crowd is doing a little something and watching a mediocre to bad fight when it's just silence. Um, that I think for a lot of people, figuring out how to crack the nut of a of an event where there's no crowd response is going to be the difference between something that people want to watch for three hours or something that just they might just want to dip their toe in and check out the highlights for. All right, good thoughts there, sir. So why don't you let everyone know what what you're working on, man? We want to go. We're going to go ahead and close out the show today. So, you know, as you know, I don't do as much writing as I used to. I haven't gotten a lot of inspiration for fighting. Um, I mean, for, for, for um, writing, rather. Um, you know, I, I just, um, Adam, who, who does the bulk of the writing, just finished up a series of pieces, um, sort of matchmaking each of the UFC divisions um, after, you know, the Corona thing clears up. Obviously, the Corona thing hasn't cleared up, but some of the fights have started to come back. But I do urge people to look at those fights and, you know, and, and see which ones they would like to see versus the ones that have been booked. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay up to date with all the, the fights as they come out. I'm trying to get everyone back on board with their anticipation for. And, you know, I'm going to try to think about some retrospectives, so to speak. Um, in terms of like this time last year, what was happening, the different narratives, and uh, hopefully that'll get people back into thinking about, you know, being an MMA fan on an ongoing basis, you know, uh, coming to the site every day and reading what we have to, you know, what we have to prevent. Um, and, you know, by all means, I'm still trying to get the, get the podcast numbers up, get everyone uh, hyped up about that. Um, 
you know, I've got my own stuff that's not MMA related that, you know, I could tease on another, <laughs> another occasion. Um, obviously, I'm trying to prompt Shawan to do the melding of MMA and comic books that the fans love so much. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of my own stuff happening, but you know, you know me, I'm making moves behind the scenes always. Good stuff, man. I know we're always, we're always working our asses off, all of us um, across these platforms. So as always, you know, we're thankful for MMA ratings being a space where we can showcase our thoughts on the MMA world. Um, I am always, as always, covering mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. You can catch me at rgarcia underscore sports to see all of that content. This podcast is every Tuesday and we talk wrestling towards the end of the week. Not, that really doesn't have a set show, but we always make sure we talk about when that's going up. So, well, speaking of wrestling, since I, you know, we should at least talk about uh, Kane Velasquez getting reportedly let go from uh, WWE. Like, what would you say, you know, how, how would you say his, his, his WWE tenure, would you say it was mostly successful or mostly a failure? It wasn't successful at all. Oh, wow. um, it was the biggest waste of, it was a huge waste of money. It was a waste of, I mean, it impacted so many people. It impacted Brock Lesnar. It impacted Kofi Kingston. It impacted Roman. Like there's so many different names that it impacted just him being brought in the way he was and leverage like that. It's almost unfortunate. And I wish it's on top of that. The reason why he hasn't been used is because he's been hurt. So if you know anything about Cain Velasquez, <laughs> you know the man can sneeze and he's going to blow out one of his knees. So no one should have been surprised that they couldn't leverage him when um, this whole thing went down. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, he's gone. He was flashing the pan. It's, it's just, it's a footnote below all other footnotes. So do we think he'll, we think, do we think he'll make a comeback to yeah. MMA when... Maybe maybe AAA or something like that again, maybe back in Mexico, but not in WWE. Well, let's see. What was that promotion that um with uh, Tito Ortiz and uh, Combate, Impact. right? That was a TNA Impact. Well, it was TNA Impact. Now it's just Impact. No, no, um, no, no, no. I meant the MMA promotion. Sorry, uh, the the one with uh, Tito Combates. Ortiz and yeah, Combate. I could. I mean, they they like to kind of play around in the, in the pro wrestling space um, with their gimmicks. I mean, maybe they can make something between him and um, um, what's the guy's name? Um, the one I'm talking about, El, El Patron. Uh, Patron. Um, yes, they, yeah. They have a couple of women on their roster that are professional wrestlers as well. Professional wrestlers as well. So there might be a space for that. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't dabble in that space. It has to be um, expensive. Well, I mean, it would definitely put, I mean, a Tito Ortiz versus Cain Velasquez fight in Combate would, you know, probably uh, some some number of pay-per-views, right? Oh, man, I can't even imagine. <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you again for joining in on the show today. And we- you know, Anytime, anytime. Well, as long as this Corona thing goes, you know, I'm just a, a text message away, you know, and I... I'll hop on and, and, and fill in and, you know, maybe uh, we can get another three man booth sometime soon. Awesome. We will, man. And All right. in mind, let's go ahead and close out. Thank you everyone. And we'll be back next week. All right.